In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Nothing Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, joined as always by my co-host, James Kim. It is Deep South's oldest rivalry, Chapter 128, brother. How fired up are we this week? Extremely fired up. You know I love this rivalry. It's become one of my favorite rivalries over the past few years, um, even though it hasn't been that competitive, but I love this game. And I mean, I won't drink any beer that has an orange and blue label on it because of this rivalry during this during the season. So I mean, <laughs> I love this rivalry. I can't wait. That's that's dedication right there, baby. We're we're, we're color coding the beer cans before we play our opponent. That's see this this is the kind of passion that you're getting from us, folks. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Hugh Freeze's comments on on the rivalry or lack thereof, seemingly based off his comments. You know, it is interesting, right? All rivalries are, are somewhat cyclical. I, I think Florida fans would argue that the Georgia-Florida rivalry wasn't much of a rivalry in the 90s when Spurrier was there. And it's kind of in that swing now with with Georgia-Auburn. I mean, what is it? We've won, is it 15 out of 18? Is that right? 15 out of 18, 17 out of 22, I think. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it has been dominant. I mean, even through the end of Coach Rick's era and then into Kirby's, yeah, it's just been, I don't know, man, we're just dominating it. And it still makes me nervous, though, because it's a rivalry game and, and you got to go to the Plains and all those things. But I just thought Hugh Freeze's comments were interesting, talking about, like, of our rivalries. What did he say? Like, I don't think this one has, like, the edge that the others do or there's there's not as much hate or something. And yeah, I mean, obviously that that quote's gotten dissected and all those type of things, but I just I just thought it was interesting. I personally disagree with his comments because I mean he hasn't been a part of it, so that's also yeah. why it is. But it's the hate that this rivalry is important to the players because Border State and how close this the schools are, and a lot of these kids played against each other in high school. A lot of these kids went to school in Georgia. So it's very important to the players, regardless of whether, um, and it's very important to the schools, uh, regardless of what Hugh Freeze says. It may get to the point where it's not as big a deal with the transfer portal and um, you know Georgia recruiting more countrywide now, but still, right now, it is important to these players. I mean, that's evident from the guests that we have. That this is a lot of people still say that this is from our from the former players still say that this is their favorite rivalry. This is the one that they look forward to the most. So until that changes, I, you know, I think this is one of the more important rivalries that Georgia has. That's a great point. I mean, look, if you look across the the spectrum of the guests that we've had on the show over the three plus years that we've been doing this, it is, and it's not close. The answer to what's your favorite rivalry that the dogs have from the smart 16 is it's Auburn. I mean, that is the answer that we get most often. And I think you and I 
have both been surprised by that. I think our expectation was, and maybe it's our own bias, was that it was going to be Georgia-Florida. But that has not been the case, man. I mean, it has been Auburn in a runaway. So, yeah, I think this is a big deal. I will say this. I hate, and I don't use the term lightly, but I capital H-A-T-E, hate, that we are playing this game September 30th. I just, it doesn't feel right. It will never feel right. Like, this is a November game, and it should be a November game. And I just, I don't know, man. I hate that it's not. So that piece of it sticks in my craw a little bit. I feel the same way about Tennessee, the inverse, though, right? Yeah. I hate that that game is now in November. Yeah, like this is... This vicinity of the season should be Tennessee territory. I just, man, I don't like it. I, I like the rhythms and flows of, of the schedule looking that way each year. And so I don't like that, man. I don't understand why that rivalry, why the, the Georgia-Auburn rivalry is always like at the centerpiece of these conference shifts. Like whether it's scheduling and we got to go to the Plains two years in a row or whether it's scheduling and they flip it to where Auburn's now going to be in September each year. Like, I I don't know why that is all happening and materializing. And it's all coming from Auburn, right? Like the reason they moaned about where it was originally was because like, well, there's some years where we have to play Alabama back to back or two out of three weeks or whatever. And it's like, I I don't, I don't really care. Like (laughs) figure it out. Well, why do we have to change everything? Like, I just, I I hate that. Um, well, let's talk about something we've talked about a bunch is Lad's health. So it seems like Lad is practicing this week. I will be a little surprised if he plays Saturday. I think this is kind of a let's get him moving, see how he responds, all those type things. I just – they can't feel like they need him to win on Saturday, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that type of game to me. Is that how it feel to you? I think we're starting to enter that territory where we're going to start to see Lad dress out, and but I don't think we're going to see him play um, yet. I think that Lad is probably we're looking at cocktail party. That's that's my gut yeah. feel. But I would not be surprised if we see him dress out the next couple of weeks and like get into warm ups and stuff like that, just to kind of get him back in the normal game time routine. And then he'll start to practice more and more. And then, but I, I would not be surprised if we don't see him back before cocktail party. And it, well, that's assuming he doesn't have a setback. But yeah, it's as I said when we were talking about Muse after week two. At without Lad, we're starting. We're starting to see more of the offense click with the other receivers. We're starting to see more of Lovett in that role. I mean, Ra Ra and him play different positions, but Ra Ra starting to get more run. And we're starting to see a lot of other people. I mean, this is the third straight year in a row we're playing the majority of our season without our number one wide receiver. So, and we're running through our schedule right now, knock on wood. No other team in the country can say that three years in a row. So maybe one season, but not three years in a row. But I I don't expect him this week. Um, I'd be shocked if he's back next week for Kentucky. I really think realistically we're looking at cocktail party. Yeah, and I'd be all right with that. Because my thing is like, what's the cost benefit on this, right? Is with it being a back, I just feel like any contact, if it's not fully ready to go, makes you a little bit nervous. And I would much rather have him 
for that four-game stretch with Florida, Mizzou, Ole Miss, Tennessee than I would for Auburn, Kentucky, Vandy, right? And so I think you and I both probably feel pretty comfortable that they've got the weapons in place to win on the plane Saturday against Kentucky between the hedges and then obviously against Vandy and Nashville. And so then that gives you like a four-week, five-week buffer before cocktail party, and you would hope that's enough time to get him feeling right and ready to rock. So, I mean, dude, that would be a boon that week to get him back and to get Amarius back for that offense, right? Yeah. Plus, to your point, I do in some ways think it could be a hidden benefit. And that is we're getting other guys in positions to make plays and getting reps and all those type things. So to your point, Dom's getting a ton of run, which I think we knew he would based off comments throughout the summer and then fall camp. And then the one that has surprised me, and I've said this a couple times, is Rara. I just thought based off trying to read between the lines of what Kirby had said throughout the offseason that Rara just wasn't up to speed, like wasn't picking up the offense, whatever it may be. And, man, he has been flashing everywhere. I mean, how many big plays has he had? It seems like every game, when they need something, he's the one getting it. And, and I think some of that is that's the type of player he is. I think he showed that at Mississippi State last year. And, you know, you can't teach that. And so, gosh, that's, that's been outstanding. And I also think the healthier that Brock gets and the further into the season we get and the more they feel like they can lean on him – the better that that will be too because, yeah, man, I, that receiving core, the depth is key. And that's even with Dylan Bell having to run in running back's room. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, we've been fortunate, I think, in that aspect. Um, how about on, I guess, on the Auburn side of things, and I think we talked about this a little bit last episode, but – that offense, man, I, I think that's why I don't have a ton of anxiety about this like I normally do because if I was asking you, okay, homie, who scares you on Auburn's offense? What, what's your answer? Uh, the, the little running back, uh, Hunter, 27. He's a threat to take it anytime he touches the ball, That's but that's it. Their offensive line is not very good, so the threat of him actually getting to the hole, getting a hole to do it, is slim. But he is a threat because of his speed to actually take it. I mean, he was really good. He's been really good for them the past. I think he's a junior now. He's the only one that scares me. If he gets in space, he's dangerous. And that's fair. I guess my follow up to that would be. Because of the way their offense is currently constructed and how they've been forced to call plays because of the play at quarterback, I mean, dude, even against A&M when they were trailing, they threw the ball 23 times total. 40 run rushes to 23 passes in a game that they were never winning. And so I just have questions about how viable is that against a team like Georgia where they just go, okay, cool. We'll just stick seven in the box and we'll stay man on the backside and we feel great, you know? Yeah. And so I, I don't know, man. I just – I don't see the path forward for them. Two power five opponents, they put up 14 points and 10 points and did not look great doing it in either one of those affairs. And so in some world, 
they're going to, against the number one team in the country and one of the best defenses in the country, do more than that? I just I – don't, I don't see it, man. I think this is one of those affairs where Georgia is going to have to shoot itself in the foot so many times just for it to be a close ball game. Like, dude, I'm talking – muff punts and fumble and all these different type things are going to have to happen. And Georgia's offense just really hasn't shown that thus far. I mean, Carson has protected the ball beautifully. And I don't know, man, we just haven't, we haven't been careless with the football, which is, I think, pretty symbolic of a, of a Kirby Smart team. And so, yeah, I don't know, man. I, am I being too laissez-faire about this? Should I be more worried? <laughs> Well, I mean, we were pretty careless last week. If we're careless with the ball this week like we were last week, then that, that could be dangerous. If we give them short fields, I'm still not sure they're going to put up, you know, 21 points. But, I mean, that could get dangerous, get that crowd into it early. Like, if we give give them three turnovers in the first half, you know, give them short fields, give them 14, 17 points, easy points, that could be dangerous. Get the crowd into it early, that – you know, snowball effect. That That's a dangerous place to play. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying I'm worried about that. I'm just saying that's, you know, devil's advocate. That's the worst case scenario. I don't see that happening. My concern with this game is because of the environment that Kirby's going to want to come out and we're going to play ultra conservative. Yeah. And because, to get Carson comfortable with his first road start. That's my concern. And that the offense is going to kind of be stuck in neutral, kind of how we were in the first game. After all the progress we made last week on offense, and we're going to go backwards. That's my concern with this game. I don't want to see us go backwards. I want to see us keep pushing forward, even with the hostile environment, because if we let the crowd get into it, then, like I said, snowball effect. We got to keep pushing forward, and we got to step on their throats early so that we don't let the crowd get into it. You know what your boy wants to see? First play of the game. Give me that zone read, baby. Zone read keeper. I like it, but he's got to keep it at some point. He's got to. So there's the threat of it. He's got to keep it at some point. But Dude, I, mean, I, do, I just want him to. I just want him to keep it so he gets his bell wrong, and so he's well, like, that's, alive. that's true too. Like, yeah, that's true too. I, I think it. I think it wakes his ass up. I do, man. And so that's what I'm saying. I just. I want him to get him into it. Uh, okay, I'm with you. I, I would hate that if we did that because I think it should be the opposite though. I think the game plan should be, dude, we're going to script the first drive anyways. Let's script it all week. Carson, you're our guy. We believe in you. We're taking a shot first play. Or we're doing zone read. You pull first play. Like I, I, I just want them, at some point, brother, we got to lean into it. Like You're the guy now, and we need you to be that way. We need to be able to call it that way. I thought... Coach Bobo called it that way Saturday, didn't you? I thought it was the first time all season where it was like, okay, I feel good about the kid under center. We're going we're gonna to pull the trigger a little bit. And that's what they need to do Saturday. And I think – I'm always this way, man. I think it's because of the environment that they're going into. Like let's not be on the defensive because we're going into a tough environment. Let's attack that and make it ours and – knock that off at the pass, right? Because yeah. how quiet does that place get if the number one team in the country comes out and marches it down the field and is up 7 nothing with 11 minutes left in the first quarter, right? Like that's, that's how you got to approach it is we are going to take all the air out of the stadium and by halftime people are leaving. Uh, I think that's, you know, we are going to hunt 
We're not going to be hunted. That's how I would look at it. We're going to the jungle and we're hunting tigers. That's that's our mission this week. So that's how I would I mean that's how I would approach it. I would call it that way. We are going to be so, so aggressive. That's what I want, right? Like that's what our personality should be. We are never on the defensive. We're never on skates. So yeah, that's who we're supposed to be. No, I agree. I, I think especially early on, that's the best time to be aggressive because Auburn's going to be juiced. They're going to make mistakes. I, I mean, we take a big shot. I would not be surprised to see a PI if we don't complete the pass, something like that, because they're going to be over-aggressive because they're going to be amped up as well. So, And I think them yeah. being amped up, being home, I think that that's going to play to our advantage because they're going to be a little over-aggressive. So I, I want us to be aggressive to start off with to take advantage of that because that we are more talented than them. So all we have yeah, to do oh, yeah. is it could be something as simple as a wide receiver screen busting a tackle with Arian, 80-yard touchdown. You know, something as simple as that. They're going to be over-aggressive early on to try to make a statement to try to get the crowd into it. It's gonna They're going to do whatever they can to use the crowd to their advantage. So we have to neutralize that by making a big play early on. Or if we do go the methodical approach, seven seven minute drive, shove it down their throat. As long as it ends in a touchdown, that's fine too. Anything to take the crowd out of it early on. You know what else I'd love to see first play? Okay, I either want zone read keeper. So so we wake Carson up with some with some smelling salts from the D end. Or envision this for me. Let's go four wide, trips right, gun. We fake wide receiver screen to the trip side. We either got backside post on the one-on-one or backside fade, and we just let it rip on that, on that backside. How about that? How are you feeling about that? You on board with that? I mean, I love that. I also would not be opposed to the old uh, Mississippi State uh, first play of the game. The flea flicker, flea flicker first play? I'm, yeah, I'm good with that. Flicker. Yeah. Give us so. the old Jake from the Terry Godwin. I'm, I'm all over that. Yeah. Just something, man. Something that comes out. Completely random. Did you know Terry Godwin's playing in the CFL right now? I did not know that. Dude, last I, I knew he was – who was he with? The Jags? Is that who he was with? Yeah, that, I had absolutely no idea. Um, I it popped up randomly on uh, prize picks the other day. I was going through CFL players looking at lines, and Terry Godwin the second popped up. And I was like, didn't even know he was – Hold up, hold up, hold up. Time out. We're going to beep, beep, beep. Oh. I'm needing to reverse this back now. <laughs> Let, let's let's dive into my boy's degeneracy right here. Yeah, I was yes, just searching yes. through CFL lines. You were searching through what? <laughs> How deep are we going down picks. the well here, brother? On prize picks, not do, game do. lines. Lines for players' props. Yes, I was doing that for uh, CFL okay. when there's a, yes for prize picks. My I man, do, my I man am a degenerate. Is, CFL player props. My man is degenerate, capital D. I'm so here for it, though. God, I'm so proud of you. I just love it. That just makes my yeah. heart happy on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, God, that made my yeah. day. What a, hot, what a hot start to a Wednesday. God, I love that. Well, on that uh, note, speaking of degeneracy, let's pick some games, my friend. Yeah. Uh, Great we were talking about this off, Yeah, we were talking about this off air. This is a not nearly as hyped up as last week's slate was, but homie, this is a real good slate of games. Like a lot of matchups that I'm real excited to watch. And every time slot throughout the day, you could plant your behind on the couch and not leave till 
11 o'clock Eastern, and you're watching something good all day long. I mean, it's going to be awesome. So many, so many good starts. And the one we're going to start with is Friday night. We kind of talked about this last episode, and I think it's really, really interesting given where Utah sits at quarterback. But, dude, Utah going to Corvallis. Beavers coming off a real tough loss to the Cougs in Pullman. And Oregon State is a two-and-a-half-point home favorite against undefeated Utah. Kind of a, a get-back game for the Beavs and DJU trying to get back on the right side of the ledger. And then, dude, Utah got a ton to play for, right? They got, they got everything in front of them. And I, have we heard any word on Cam Rising? I haven't, I haven't heard anything this week. No. As of Wednesday morning at 7.53 a.m., no. There's been no word on whether he's going to play or not. And I honestly don't expect him to play against – I don't think they're going to put him out against that buzzsaw of a defense for his first game back. I really don't. I, I don't either. So because of that, I'm going with the Beavers. Yeah. Where are you at? I'm going with the Beavers. Because of that, I after watching a lot of Utah last week and their offense is just it, it's bad. It, UCLA's defense is not that good and their offense is without Cam Rising just it's it's in reverse really. It's just not good. They can't they have no vertical passing game at all. Their running game without him because there's no real threat of the quarterback run is pretty much non-existent. So they had one offensive drive that was sustainable. It wasn't even, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything to write home about. So I'm going to go with the Beavers at home. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I love the under. I don't care what it is. If it is anything over 30 points, give it to me. And I, but I think the Beavers went at home. Just so y'all know, my boy can pick a total now. So Y'all might want to heed that advice. I'm just saying. You might want to sprinkle a little something on, on that because my boy loves him a total, and he's real good at picking them. Uh, okay, here's my, here's my take on this. I reserve full right and judgment, and I'll give you the same. If we hear Friday that Cam Rising is going to play, I'm changing this pick. I'm just putting that out there. But I agree with you. Yeah, I will too. Utah is not equipped, given their current offensive setup, absent Cam Rising, to go to Corvallis and score enough points on that defense to beat Oregon State. Just, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think especially given that Oregon State loss last week. So, yeah, I'm taking the Beavs too, man. I, I like the way that defense is constructed. I think that's more – you know, I think that's something we probably haven't talked about enough on the last episode is what a testament to Cam Ward in that Wazoo offense because that Oregon State defense is real. And yeah. they drop, what, 35 on them? So 38. 38, oh yeah, because the final ended up being, what, 38-35? Is that right? 38-35, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm with you. I'm taking the Beavs on Friday night. I think that'll be an awesome environment. Nighttime in Corvallis. Yeah, I'm all in on that. Okay, next one is a rebound game for one team and a showcase game for another. You got USC and Heisman hopeful and current Heisman Trophy uh, winner Caleb Williams going to Boulder play Colorado it is a 10 a.m local time start homie fight on fight on fight on is a 21 and a half point favorite in Boulder uh Colorado looking like still going to be absent Travis Hunter even though he told coach Prime he wants to play this week yeah man I don't know what do you think little kegs and eggs and buffs or are you going kegs eggs and Trojans what, what you feel on this I don't really have a feel on this game if, if Hunter was playing I'm on the buffs all all day long I and I I'm very torn on this. 
I don't like the 10 a.m. local start. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan on that. I, you know, I hate noon kickoffs. So a 10 a.m. local start really don't like. But yeah. USC's defense does nothing for me. But I don't really, I'm not a big fan of Colorado's offense without Hunter. Um, I mean, I know they ran into a buzzsaw last week against Oregon. Their defense is not going to stop Kayla Williams in USC. They are not. They are going to give up a ton of points. But I'm not sure if they're going to score enough points to keep this within three scores without Hunter. I don't love this pick, but I'm going to go I'm going to go USC and give up the points on this one. I'm not real confident in it, though. God, this is a – boy, isn't this a pick-your-poison game? I mean, yeah, USC's really defense is. is trash. They looked super, super pedestrian, I thought, last weekend. And Colorado got absolutely steamrolled in Eugene. I mean, they did not even look like they belonged on the same field for the entirety of that game. I will say, though, I think there were so many factors that converged to create that result. And one of them, obviously, no Travis Hunter. The other is you're going to Eugene, notoriously tough place to play. You've got a really motivated team, and you have a leader in Dan Lanning who is able to utilize all that juice and get his team super locked in, super motivated to come out and play. Dude, they, they played at their ceiling for that ball game, you know? And how often does that actually happen? So yeah. I, I think that is a, a bit of an outlier. This is a massive number. For a, for a home team that does have some skill talent, I think USC undoubtedly wins the game. I just am a little hesitant that Colorado is going to come out two straight weeks and lay an absolute egg. I just I'm going to keep having faith in Coach Prime and what they're doing there. And I think you know they got punched in the mouth and they just never got back up. I mean that that's kind of and, and that happens and, and that's a learning experience I think for your football team is to go look we're facing a little bit of adversity. How do we respond the next time it happens? And so I'm going to take the buffs to cover. I'm with you, though, man. I do not feel great about this. I just I have no feel for it, and I would feel way, way better about it if Travis Hunter was playing. Because the other thing about this is I thought the offense didn't look great, but I also think he allows them to play defense differently because you can essentially yeah. put him on an island and say, we're going to deal with everything else over here. And so it's just a different look, man. Also – I think Shiloh got hurt on Saturday too, like had kidney problem or something like that. So he did, but I haven't seen any. There has been really no word about his availability at this point, one way or another. And it's been kind of like a day to day thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that makes me obviously nervous if two of their starting DBs aren't playing, but I'm going I'm to go with it. I just think home field, they got to come back and kind of stand up a little bit. This is a pride game, so I'm going to take the bus in this one. All right, next one, man. This, this has turned into my favorite game of the week just because of the, the quotes out of Coach Stoops. But Florida going to Lexington to play the Wildcats. Kentucky is a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Mark Stoops was asked this week about the noon kickoff and said, I have full faith in the people of Kentucky getting up early and pounding some beers. And then when asked a rebuttal question about it, he said, oh, and wait, I didn't mean to be discriminatory. I also have faith in them drinking some bourbon, <laughs> which somebody got to put that on a T-shirt, homie. Like if you're a Kentucky fan, yeah. what, a, what a badge of honor to wear. So where you I'd wear that shirt. Me too. I, I, I'd wear that shirt. I would too. As a dog's fan, I would wear it. So yeah, how are you feeling on this? It's a funky number. 
So, which basically means that Vegas thinks on a neutral field this is a toss-up game. And I'm not so sure this is a, a, a toss-up game. What is Florida? Who is Florida? Yeah. This, this is not an indictment against Kentucky at all. Like, this is strictly on Florida. I, I feel like everybody's basing Florida off of that one half against Tennessee. Yes, they did beat Tennessee for four quarters, but they really beat them in the first half. And then they held on because Tennessee basically dominated the second half and then shot themselves in the foot every time they got inside the red zone. Instead of taking points, they just went forward on fourth down every single time trying to play catch up. I'm not sold on Graham Mertz as an SEC quarterback. Kentucky can run the ball. I don't like Florida's defense that much. I think Kentucky wins. I think they cover. I, I just, I don't, the number's funky to me, though. That that makes me, the number's what makes me nervous about this. Not the teams. I think Kentucky wins. I think they probably win by 10 points or so. I just, I don't like the number. The number makes me really nervous about this game. I'm with you on Florida, man. I Who are they? What is that offense? Who, what is their identity? I don't really think they have it yet. Uh, I'm with you, man. I just I don't I don't believe in Graham Mertz. I'll just put it that way. I, and that no indictment on the kid. I mean, dude, he's played a ton of college football, so he's obviously a great player. I just don't think he's the guy that's going to take you where you want to go. And so that's kind of where I sit on that. I think Kentucky has its own questions, though. Their offense has not been, I would say, dynamic, which I think is kind of what they are, though. I mean. Even with Will Levis and all, I feel like the hype with him, I was never scared of that offense. And I don't feel much differently now. I think this is one of those grinded out type games. Maybe we're looking at like 21-17 or somewhere in there. I think Kentucky's going to be who Kentucky is. I think that's a difference. Kentucky knows who they are. We want to play defense. We want to punch in the mouth. We want to establish the run. We want to control the clock. And... That's who they are, and I think that is enough to beat this iteration of the Florida Gators. So I'm going to take Kentucky. Kentucky going to be undefeated, coming between the hedges to play the dogs. Maybe get a little SEC Nation there. Who knows? Maybe we'll even see college game day roll into town. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Wildcats, and I also have faith in the people of Kentucky to slug some beers, drink some bourbon, and get after it at Croker Field on Saturday about lunchtime. So, yeah, I'm taking the Wildcats, too. All right, next one, I think a really fun matchup. Texas A&M playing Arkansas, neutral field, AT&T Stadium, home with your boys. A&M is a, let's see here, six-and-a-half-point favorite? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Six-and-a-half-point favorite, neutral field against Pig Suey, Coach Pittman's Razorbacks. What's your feel on this? <clears throat> Once again, I don't. I don't understand the number. Did Did Vegas not watch the games last week? Even though Arkansas lost, they played much better against much better competition than A and M did. And A and M's probably going to be without their quarterback. Not. It's no knock against Max Johnson, but I, I'm going Pig Suey to to cover. They may win. I think this is this is one of my favorite matchups of the week. I think this is going to be a very exciting game. Um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, a, 
a slugfest. And I think this is this game could save Pittman as the coach of Arkansas if they win. These games have been wild the last few years, and I expect it's going to yeah. be wild on Saturday. But to your point, I loved how Arkansas played in Death Valley on Saturday night. I've always liked KJ Jefferson. We obviously love Coach Pittman. I just think I, I feel more comfort in what they are as a football team currently than what A&M is. And I will say this now, credit where credit's due. I was watching the game at my brother's wedding this weekend. They bring Max Johnson in, and I'm like, yeah, that's Brad's kid, but he ain't nothing but a pair of shoes, man. This is going to be not good for A&M. And he proceeds to light it up for the entire second half and make your boy look like an idiot. But, hey, good for him. Threw a touchdown pass to his brother on Saturday. That was cool. I, I don't know, man. I just – that Auburn team is not good. And A&M, I didn't think, looked overpowering or stellar. And so I feel good about Arkansas in this game. I also just feel – it's one of those feel games. I can't really explain it. I just think this is a game where Arkansas is going to play really good football and give A&M fits all afternoon. So, yeah, pig suey for me. All right, next game, man. Your undefeated Kansas Jayhawks are traveling <laughs> to Austin, Texas to play the Longhorns. Texas is a 16-and-a-half-point home favorite. Brother, Kansas has been looking good. I thought, dude, it was never in doubt last week against BYU. They looked awesome. And neither one of us took them, I don't think. So, shame no, on us. Neither one of us How are you feeling about this one? Rock chalk. I love the number. I'm not sure if Kansas can pull off the upset, and I know it's in Austin, but I love the number for KU. KU is dynamic enough on offense to give Texas fits all yep. day long. I'm not sure if their defense is good enough to slow down Texas's offense, but I think that Jalen Daniels is going to run roughshod over their defense. I just do. I think they're going to put up points, and I think that this game is going to be much, much tighter, and Texas fans are going to be much more nervous than they want to be throughout this day. I'm the same, homie. Let's wave the wheat, man. Like I just think KU, dude, they got the Big 12 preseason player of the year, and Jalen Daniels has played like it every single time that he has been on the field. And so, yeah, man, he is he's special. And can do it with his arm, can do it with his feet. They they were just the better football team against BYU on Saturday. I mean, there's no two ways around it. And they made some big plays on defense too. Got after the passer some. Kadon Slovis was hurried all day. Like I, I was impressed with them, man. And yeah, I love this number. I do not know if they can, you know, get over the hurdle and and win straight up. But, boy, I love it at this number. 16 and a half. Give me the Jayhawks all day. So wave the wheat, baby. Wave the wheat. Rock, <laughs> chop, Jayhawk, KU. Um, okay, next game on the docket I think is fascinating. LSU going to Oxford to play Ole Miss. LSU squeaks one out against Arkansas last weekend in the Golden Boot rivalry. And Ole Miss coming off, whew, boy, did they look flat and underwhelming in Tuscaloosa against Alabama? So LSU two and a half point road favorite. How you feel on this one? What you take? I think this game comes down to one specific player. Is Junkins healthy? And are they going to use him how they used him last year? Are they gonna, you know, lean on him 
Are they going to actually give him the a workload like they did last year? If Ole Miss does that, Ole Miss controls the clock, and Ole Miss has a shot to pull off the upset. If they don't, it's going to look worse than last week because I don't think Ole Miss defense can slow down LSU's offense because LSU's offense is clicking right now. Their yeah. defense, a little bit to be desired, but their offense is rolling right now. And if they don't control the clock and keep that offense off the field, it's going to be a long day. I think, and I'm not sure if Kiffin is willing to do that. I mean, he showed it last week. He wasn't willing to run the ball, and I don't know why. He didn't even, they didn't try. They just were throwing Jackson Dart out there and, you know, winging a prayer. So I'm going, I I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going based off of coaching and the offense being on fire. And, you know, I'm not a fan of Brian Kelly at all. (laughs) But right now, Kelly's coaching better than Kiffin. So I'm going to go with LSU um, to win and cover and put, put the final nail in, in Ole Miss. Yeah, give me the Bayou Bengals. This is more of a pick against Ole Miss than it is a pick for LSU. I just really, I just really have no faith in Ole Miss. I mean, I, I thought last weekend was an opportunity to show that they were going to be something different, and dude, they're just not. I mean, I again, I, I don't, I don't fear them on offense. And I think if we're being honest, you kind of started to see that during the two-lane game. I thought that was a little bit of an indicator. But man, something ain't just quite right with this team, and that's just kind of continued on. So, yeah, I, I'm taking I'm taking LSU to your point, man. I think their offense is finding itself, and they can score points in bunches. And so, yeah, I, I'm taking the Bayou Bengals. All right, rebound game for the Irish, going to Durham to play Duke. College game day going to be in town for the first time in history there at Wallace Wade Stadium. Uh, Notre Dame is still a five and a half point favorite, even after coming off the loss to Ohio State in gut wrenching fashion. What's your thoughts on this one? I said in the our preview episode for the season that Notre Dame was the most interesting team this year. After that loss and the poor coaching decisions throughout the game, and then the, having the ten men on the field, they're going to show what they're made of, and they're going to. It starts at the top with Freeman on down. I'm not sure what they're made of. I'm going with Duke to cover. I'm not sure if Duke wins, but I think Duke covers. I love Leonard. I love Elko. I think they're an embo- Duke is embodying their coach. Elko is mm-hmm. tough as nails, and they're just they're embodying that. They're they're a grinded out football team. They're relying on Leonard to you know make the big play when it's there, not make mistakes. And I'm not sure if Notre Dame is you know, embodying their coach or just kind of going to fall apart at this point. So we'll see on Saturday, but I don't think that I I would not be shocked if Notre Dame falls apart at this point after the gut wrenching way they lost that game. I did not like Notre Dame's offensive game plan on Saturday. I I didn't like it at all. I I want them to put more on Sam Hartman and try to open that offense up, which I know is not the personality of that university and all those things, but like, Dude, they just didn't look scary to me at all. Like, and I think Mike Elko is going to have a defensive game plan drawn up that is going to stop their running game, put it on Sam's shoulders. And I just don't know if the way their offense is constructed currently, if they're built to win that way. 
And dude, Duke knows who they are. They know what they have in Riley Leonard. They run the offense accordingly. And that defense plays hard-nosed, man. I'm with you. I think they embody the personality of their head coach. They believe in themselves. And they just they have an identity. You can see it when you watch them. They know who they are. They feel very confident in who they are when they step on the field. And that matters. And I'm with you. I don't know if they win straight up because, again, the talent gap is still there from a roster perspective. But I love Duke to cover this number, man. I think this is a three-point game somewhere in there, one way or the other. And, yeah, I like the Blue Devils in this. Okay, South Carolina heading to Neyland to play the Vols. Tennessee is a 12-and-a-half-point home favorite. Spencer Rattler been having a great year, had another good game on Saturday against Mississippi State. Tennessee finally looked a little more like themselves against UTSA, but I think maybe that's more of a – uh, an indictment of UTSA just because I, I think they're just they're not where they've been the last couple of years and obviously Frank Harris's health uh, contributes to some of that but where are you sitting on this I cannot believe these words are going to come out of my mouth but <laughs> I'm going to pick the team with who I think has the better quarterback and I'm going with the Gamecocks and Spencer Rattler at least who the quarterback that's playing better right now Milton obviously had a really good game last week. That's not a question. But he hasn't run that offense as efficiently as Hooker did last year. And yeah. we've talked about this several times that, you know, you made the comment that you think as the season goes along that people are going to realize how important Hooker was to that offense. And yep. I completely agree. And Rattler, really, other than that second half against Georgia where he was, you know, just getting – blitzed and flushed every single play has pretty much been lights out all season, which just pains me to admit, but I'm, I'm going with the Gamecocks. I would not be shocked if the Gamecocks pull off the upset. I'm not really sure if it would even be really considered an upset after last season, but I, I think that South Carolina covers the spread. I'm with you. I love this number for South Carolina and I'm with you. It's, it's for the same reasons. Uh, they have the better quarterback, and let's have another conversation. They've got the, at this point in time, they've got the best performing wide receiver in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, yeah. this Spencer Rattler Xavier Leggett duo has been explosive, and he looks very much like a Sunday player to me. Xavier does. Yes. I thought that against Georgia. I mean, he just he high points the football. He's got great hands. I, he's a good player, and. I think the issue, though, and I'm confident I'm covering. I'm less confident I'm winning straight up. I think South Carolina's issue is, was, and will be for the entirety of this season thus far. Dude, they just they don't run the football. And so if you draw up a proper game plan to defend Spencer and make him uncomfortable, they have issues because they have no other answer, okay? It's, it's Spencer or nothing. I mean, they're not going to run the football on you. And so that gives me a little bit of pause because I think you can try to take away some things. And if you get after him and flush him, uh, it's also a tough road environment. You know, they played at Williams Bryce last weekend. So give some credit to that. That's where the game was against Tennessee last year. I think they're absolutely a different football team there. But uh, yeah, I, until we see differently, I am not a buyer on this season's Tennessee Volunteers yet. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take the, the Gamecocks and the points. I just I like them to cover this a lot in Newland. All right, next game is 
Alabama coming off a big win over Ole Miss, going to Stark Vegas to play Mississippi State, who, even though they lost, seemingly got Will Rogers back involved, threw for over 400 yards on Saturday night. So, so maybe they've found a little something on offense. I don't know. We'll see. Alabama, a 14-and-a-half-point road favorite at night there with the Cowbells. What you thinking on that? Bama needs to come out and make a statement. And they beating Ole Miss last week wasn't the statement. They need to Bama needs to come out and try to make a statement and dominate a team. Like if they want to show that, you know, they're the Bama of old. I don't think the Bama team is the Bama of old, but I think that that's what they're going to try to do this weekend. And let's face it, Mississippi State just isn't very good um, mm-hmm. this year. They're just not. They don't know who they are. They tried to yeah. be this completely different team, and they don't have the personnel to run a different style offense yet. To run a style of offense that's not Mike Leach's, unfortunately. Um, so yeah. they need to, if they're going to try to win this game, they need to stick with what they have. And they need to try to run the air raid, and they just need to stick with it. That, with that being said, I think Alabama wins this game. I think they win it handedly. I don't think Mississippi State just has the players, and I don't think they know what they want to do. If if this was Mississippi State last year, I think Mississippi State covers easily, um, but I just I don't see it this year. I'm taking Alabama too. I think they discovered a little something in the second half of that Ole Miss game. I think they have. I've said this all season. Okay. Jalen Milrose should be their quarterback. He is the best quarterback they have on the roster. They've got to cater what they do offensively to what he does well. And that is give him some options with his feet, give him some passing opportunities to take big shots with that big, powerful arm, and then let's limit the amount of decisions that he has to make. Because I think he showed again last week with the pick in the end zone that he is prone to turning the ball over. And so let's just limit that, okay? Let's put him in good situations so that he can succeed. I just think they're going to be way too much for Mississippi State. I, to your point, I, they don't know who they are. We don't know who they are. And that's a problem, especially when you're playing an Alabama team who's feeling itself a little bit. And I thought that second half looked as close to being Alabama as they have all season. And so, yeah, I, I feel good about them going into Starkville and, and taking care of business. All right, last game on the docket, Deep South's oldest rivalry, Chapter 128. Dogs going to the Plains for their first road test of the season. And uh, this is, for me, a little bit of a bellwether, so we can figure out who we are a little more and who Carson is going to be in an adverse environment. So I'm, I'm super fired up for this game just because I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to tell us a lot more than what we know now. Dogs are a 14-and-a-half-point road favorite. How are you feeling this one? I think the Dogs win. I think it's competitive for probably 10 minutes a quarter, and then the Dogs run away with it. Auburn's just not a good football team this year. They don't, as I've said several times, they don't have the type of quarterback that frees once to run his style of offense. And it's just an indictment of how, of what they think of Robbie Ashford. Cause Robbie Ashford has the legs that the type of quarterback that frees once, but they're starting Peyton Thorne who doesn't. Yeah. So yeah. he must've really been unimpressive in camp because Ashford started last year. Um, and we saw how that went And 
I just I don't think that this game is close. I, unless the dogs, like you said, shoot themselves in the foot multiple, multiple times, this game's not going to be close. It's There's going to be people leaving early third quarter, and the dogs should run away with this one. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they cover this. I, f- I feel good about them covering this. I just – Auburn is not a good football team. They're just not. I mean, it, and, and I think that was – to be expected with the with the transition, and I thought that the addition of Peyton Thorne was not who they needed in the transfer portal to fit what what Coach Freeze wants to do. Um, and again, I just do they just don't have it's a Jimmy's and Joe's conversation, and they just don't have them against this Georgia roster. And so I think it is to your point. I think maybe it's tight. I, I think it just depends how Georgia decides to come out. Are we going to come out and be aggressive and assert ourselves and say we're the defending champs, we're the number one team in the country, and we're here to act like it? Uh, then, dude, I think it could be over very early, and that's what I hope they do. So, but I, this is—I'm looking forward to this game to learn some more about what the 2023 Georgia Bulldogs are and what they can be. And so, I hope this is a game where they further discover their identity and kind of plant a flag in the ground that hey america we're still here they're going to get that 330 showcase on cbs and yeah man i'm uh, i feel good about it i feel good about the dogs covering and i think it's gonna be a fun fun saturday for the bulldog faithful so again still a little salty this is happening now instead of november but it is what it is homie um all right man well that's it that's all we got this week hopefully hopefully the boys have a turnaround week on their picks and we kind of tear it up i could i'd love a 10 and a week this week that would be spectacular. So if I get it to a no week, though, I'll still go up another game on you. So which I need, which would be better for me. Yeah, see, I need it, man. I need I need to come back like nobody's business. I'm getting butt whooped right now. I can't have all that. So, all right, homie. Well, I uh, can't wait to watch the dogs on Saturday. I'm sure you and me will be firing text back and forth. But uh, until our recap episode next week, y'all, go dogs. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.